Uh, We are in our sermon series, Acts in Jerusalem, and really, Acts in Jerusalem is really about the acts of the Holy Spirit and Jesus in our Jerusalem, which is Fargo-Moorhead. Hopefully that's come across with this little little, uh, map that we've had. Uh, And today we're going to talk about the worthy. You ever thought about that word? Have you ever thought, are you worthy? Um... Over the last 10 days, we have been a part of some big things. God is on the move in the Fargo-Moorhead area, and we've gotten to be a part of it. Uh, I've been speaking about uh, um, that today, uh, we're not just atonement, we're atonement south, that's where we're at, or we're we're kind of the, the, the prayer center. And at the same time right now, we have atonement north, and that's the Fargo Dome, Uh, where people are are, uh, being the hands and feet of Christ with uh, packing meals. And I hope you've gotten to be a part of that in some way, whether you're physically able to pack or whether you've been praying about the pack or hearing about it or sharing it with other people. All are ways that we get to be a part of this. But we got me thinking about kind of the big problems in the world. Feed My Starving Children were aiming to uh, fight, actively fight against a big world problem, a problem that's been around since there's been people, and that's the issue of hunger, of people not having enough to eat. And it got me thinking, and I discovered, and you'll be happy to hear this, I'm going to share this with you, I can solve all of the world's problems, every single one of them, in about a minute or two. If someone wants to time me, I'm going to cover three of the biggies, and you'll get the idea of how this works, okay? So let's start with one that we see on the news a lot lately, war. As long as there's been people on the planet, there has been war. And no one likes war, right? Everyone would like to see war end, that there wouldn't be any war anymore, but we've never been able to figure out a way to do it. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, this is how we do it. If we want war to end, I'll fix it right now. This is what you do. If everybody would just forgive each other and decide not to make war anymore, war would be ended forever. There you go. Problem solved. You're welcome. Glad you came. What about poverty, right? Uh, A sense of desperation, a sense of of not having enough, not um, uh, even having a sense of uh, maybe feeling alone and isolated. How do we fix that problem? That seems to be as old as humanity as well. Here's the answer. If everybody would be kind to each other and not leave anyone behind or leave anyone out and take care of each other, there would be no more poverty. All right, there you go. What other big problems do we got? Let's talk about hunger, since that's what's been on the docket the last 10 days. People starving because they don't have any food. Kids in Haiti having to eat clay cakes that are baked in the sun and mixed with a little bit of sugar and butter so that they have something in their stomach so that they can go to sleep at night. It's why Feed My Starving Children is active in the world, sending food to 99.7% of all of its deliveries have arrived, way better than any other group out there, in order to give people meals. Well, there's a real simple solution for hunger, even more simple than all the stuff that we do for FMSC, all the, all the logistics that are necessary. If everyone would just share the food that they have, 
hunger would disappear. There you go. Everything is solved. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, okay, everything you just said, while technically would, would solve it, is really naive. It would never work. And to which I would respond, well, why not? Everything I said is possible, really. It's incredibly efficient. And all those big problems would go away. That none of us like. All of us agree they're all big problems that no one wants. So what's the problem? Well, we're the problem. It really comes down to that. We are the problem. Are we worthy? The word worthy is kataxio uh, uh, in the Greek. It means, are you good enough? Uh, it's it's to, to be thought of as deserving. Um, and in the scriptures today, we are going to hear about uh, that Pastor Becky read, the second arrest of the apostles. The first arrest was after the healing of a man who'd been injured or lame for many, many years. He was an old man. Everyone knew that he'd been lame and he was begging outside of the temple. Peter walks up to him and says, I don't have money to give you, but what I do, get, do have, I give to you. I give to you, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the man could walk. Peter and John are arrested by the religious authorities, the Sanhedrin, the, the 70 religious leaders of Israel, and are told this, to, to stop it. Don't do that anymore. The uh, apostles come together, the, the people of God come together, the believers, they pray to be bold in their faith. Then we come to today's text, and what's happened is all of the apostles, all of them, not just Peter and John, are all arrested because they keep preaching the name of Jesus. They keep pointing to Jesus in their daily life. And in the nighttime, the Holy Spirit comes and reveals to the apostles that, that they need to go to the temple and to, to preach the good news, to preach the gospel. And so the angel of the Lord comes and miraculously frees them from prison. It doesn't really explain it because there's soldiers there and the gates are locked, but they're miraculously taken from the prison and placed in the temple courts where they begin pointing to Jesus again. That's where we come to the text today where now all 12 uh, apostles are arrested and this is what happens. When they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and your intent to bring this man's blood upon us. Do you know what their crime was? The crime of the apostles is that they kept pointing away from themselves to Jesus and telling people the good news. That God has shown mercy on his people, not just Israel, but the entire world by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you and for me, who is risen from the dead, defeating the power of sin, death, and the devil, now and forever. He has ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and all who believe in him, who have faith in his name, all of your sins are forgiven. New life begins now and will continue for eternity. That's their crime. Their crime is nothing more than saying, look at Jesus. Look at what he's done. 
Look what he's doing for you. Look what we can do through him. Healing, new life, hope, peace, resurrection, freedom, liberty. All of this is from Jesus. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Why? Because this is shortly after Jesus was arrested, crucified, and risen. And so who is responsible for the blood of Jesus? You guys keep pointing to Jesus that he's alive and you're blaming us. That's what the high priest thinks. Well, Peter and the apostles answered, listen, we must obey God rather than men. This word obey, I think, gets kind of a bad rap. It's something about just in our day and age, we're very concerned with equality and equity and all that stuff. And to obey sounds like you have to subjugate yourself and listen to someone else's will and intentions for your life. And honestly, um, it depends on, on how you understand the word. And the word in Greek is patharchio, and it means to obey an authority. So that's the first part. Who is your authority? Who do you listen to? Who, you do, who do you rely on? Because who you rely on is your authority. It is, in all, all intents and purposes, your God. If you rely on, on money, that's your God. If you rely on power, that's your God. So your authority is who you rely on. And we have earthly authorities that God has said, listen to the earthly authorities. They've been given for your goodness. When they do right, uh, they are to be honored. When they try to take away from you the freedom you have in Jesus to point to Jesus, that's where the line needs to be drawn in the sand. But obey means to obey an authority. Who do you trust? But it also means to follow or to listen to. Who are you following? Who do you listen to? That's your authority. That's who you're to obey. And Peter says, we are to obey God rather than men. Now, most of your life, they're not in conflict. When you have to pay your bills, uh, you're obeying the laws of man. You got to pay your bills. But you're also obeying God's moral laws, which is, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, render under God what is God's. Um, you know, it, uh, uh, paying your bills is, is a good thing. That way you're not stealing which is one of God's laws. But what do you do, who do you listen to when man's commands, when man's authority are in conflict with God's authority? Peter says, we are to obey God rather than men. Then he goes on and he says, the God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Now, Jesus, uh, uh, Peter is not pointing just at the high priest. He's not pointing just at the Jewish authorities. This word, you killed, this comes up in all of Peter's messages and he's speaking to everyone, that, including you and me. When we hear him saying, you killed Christ, it is the accusation of the cross in which we're all implicated, that we are not worthy. It's why we can't do the things that I said at the beginning, because God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven is not our primary focus. We are much more concerned with our own authority, with our own wants and needs. We don't choose to be selfless. We naturally want to be selfish. Okay? And so, Jesus coming to bring release to the captives means all of us, all of us who are under the captivity of sin, death, and the devil. 
of wanting to be our own gods. At the cross, your sin is named. Whatever it may be, all the little sins that you keep to yourself, it's renamed at the cross and it's given the judgment of God. You killed Christ. And so all of us are not worthy of God. It's why we can't fix the problems because we are selfish. We are self-serving. We are self-celebrating. We're sinners. But God vindicated Jesus. In other words, everything that Jesus said, that he is the Son of God, that all who believe in him will be saved, that uh, the kingdom of God has come near, Repent and believe the gospel. The gospel is the good news of deliverance through Jesus Christ. And God vindicated Jesus by raising him from the dead. He didn't just die on the cross and stay dead. He's risen. Therefore, his word is what is the authority. And exalted. Exalted means lifted really high. It's not just raised. It's, it's raised really high. Lifted up. Ascended at the right hand as leader and savior. The word leader earlier is translated as the author or the author of life. Who is Jesus? He's God in the flesh. That's why he's the authority. But he's not just uh, God. He's, he's the leader and savior. He's come to save you by giving repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And so even though we are unworthy in ourselves, Jesus is worthy and through him, he becomes, through faith in him, your sins are forgiven and he becomes your authority and your savior. The one that you listen to, the one that you obey, the one that as you live your life, it's not just lip service, it's action because love is action. And what we're talking about, even those those problems, the problems of hunger, the problems of war, the problems of poverty. How does God choose to uh, 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 radically alter and transform those problems in a broken world like ours? It's through the radical action of love. Because love sacrifices itself for the other. It hands itself over. It's what it means to love God and love people. It's God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And over the last 10 days, we have been privileged to be part of God's purpose in the Fargo-Moorhead area, in uh, uh, North Dakota and Minnesota, and to the ends of the earth through the ministry that we've been a part of for 10 years, Feed My Starving Children. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Right here, Peter is asserting what Jesus said would happen in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. If anyone's wearing those shirts that say power up, you may have noticed in the power up, if you see Pastor Becky, look at her shirt. It's got a little verse, Acts 1 verse 8. All the things that we've been doing, talking about power up, getting ready for the pack, is all about making clear to you that what this verse is saying is what we are actively doing right now in this place in the Fargo-Moorhead area. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This mandate by Jesus has not ended. It's as true 2,000 years ago 
in the location of Jerusalem as it is 2,000 years later today in Fargo. Because our Jerusalem is Fargo. By you being here, you are a witness that you have the Holy Spirit because no one can believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior without the power of the Holy Spirit working that faith in your heart. Filling you up. Filling you with more compassion, more love, more care for your neighbor. Faith in God. Not a perfect faith, but faith to even believe, to even say, this, could this be for me? That's the Holy Spirit working in your heart because no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. This comes from 1 Corinthians, if anyone is wondering what I'm quoting. Okay? No one can say Jesus is Lord. Instead, by faith in Jesus Christ, you are his witnesses. By coming here today, you are a witness to the world of who your Savior is. Who matters to you? Otherwise, why would you be here? When you went to pack all this week, yes, we're going to pack to help kids, but why do you even care? It's because of Jesus who's put that love in your heart, that ache in your heart, that compassion in your heart for those in need. And when you pack food, make no mistake, we have been making a difference through our prayers, through packing, through Uh, the donations to that ministry to pay for the food because how better to stand against your true enemies, sin, death, and the devil, the selfishness of sin by being selfless, by giving of what you have for those in need, to stand against death by giving food that gives children life, that without it they have a death death sentence. And I even heard that without that food, their family is forced to very likely sell that child into bondage sell them into slavery in order to have enough to just survive. So what better way to stand against sin and death and against the power of the devil who would seek to take all of your hope from you, all of your freedom from you, and subjugate you completely and totally. Every bag that was packed brings liberation, brings hope, brings the promise of new life and that someone actually cares Not just you, but the one in whom you serve, Jesus Christ, Son of God. And so every bag that was packed, every prayer that's been made for the pack has been pointing to Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. It's why we can say God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As radical as it sounds. Now a Pharisee in the council hearing this named Gamaliel, or Gamaliel, however you want to say it, Gene, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. So in the present case, I tell you, this is Gamaliel now speaking, he says, keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. Now, this is the great logical argument that all of us have to come to terms with logically about the question of who Jesus is and what the gospel is. Now, if the gospel is true, follow the gospel. If it is not true, don't follow it. But that's the logical conclusion. Is the message of the gospel from men or is it from God? And it comes down to who is Jesus? There's only three logical conclusions for who Jesus is. One, Jesus was a lunatic. 
Okay? If Jesus is crazy, then he may think he's the son of God and it's not true. He may think that he's the savior of the world, but it's not true. He may think all kinds of things, but it's not true. That's what it means to be crazy. So all the statements of the Bible can't be true because Jesus was crazy. So that's the first conclusion. The second conclusion is that Jesus was not crazy. He was evil. And so were all the apostles and everything that's taught in the Bible because none of it's true. There is no salvation. There is no heaven. There is no resurrection. Jesus died on the cross as a criminal and any statement otherwise was because Jesus is evil and he was lying. Now the problem with the first two statements is this. One, if Jesus is crazy, then we shouldn't listen to him and yet... What Jesus proclaims, according to Gamaliel, would not come from a crazy person. And according to Gamaliel, would not come from an evil person. And if you look at what Jesus actually says and what Jesus proclaims to his people... These are not the words of someone that you would think is crazy, and they're not the words of someone you would think is evil. They sound to be God's words. They do sound what God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That love would be given to everyone. That all are valued in God's eyes. That Jesus brings liberation from those things that would separate us from God and from one another. Everything he says is exactly what we would want to happen. The way we would want things to be. So the problem is not Jesus. Again, the problem is us. But if he's not crazy and he's not evil, then there's only one final logical conclusion. That everything said about Jesus and done by Jesus according to the scriptures is true. He is the son of God. He did die for the sins of the world. And he is risen. And that means he will come again. And in that time, we live in this new time of the Holy Spirit. A time of faith, hope, love, endurance, powering up, being filled with the, God, with the Holy Spirit, loving God and loving our neighbor. Gamaliel is the one who laid down this test because he said, if this plan or this undertaking is of man, in other words, it's not of God. So Jesus is either crazy or he's evil. It will fail. 2,000 years ago. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. The fact that we are here today and that Christianity has not been overthrown but is continuing to expand even to this day. Billions of people confess the name of Jesus Christ in much more harsher conditions and circumstances than we face here in Fargo, North Dakota. Billions of people it's not uh, something that, that was obviously overturned. But by Gamaliel's own, own judgment, it has to be of God. Because of what is happening to this day through the church, through the gospel, through Christ. For you and for the world. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The world, 
the powers of this world, sin, death, and the devil, are terrified of the name. The name of Jesus, who is our witness that we point to in the midst of good circumstances and bad. Folks, the last 10 days have been nothing short of God uh, 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 overflowing in goodness. And we have had nuisances. We have had nuisances of the devil. Uh, I joke that, you know, Dante's Inferno, the, 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 the lowest level of hell is frozen over. Well, what have we been experiencing during this entire pack? Just a frozen wasteland and little nuisances and problems of people being stymied and stopped and sharing the gospel and loving their neighbor and feeding kids. And yet, we keep moving forward. The gospel cannot be undone or overthrown because the name of Jesus cannot be silenced because we won't be silenced. In all that we do, even though we are not worthy, we point to the one who is worthy, the one who makes us worthy. Jesus Christ, Son of God, where he goes, I will be also. And when you believe in Jesus, he moves you to be and to love and to care and to take care of those who are the least of his followers. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. So what made the apostles worthy? Their witness to Jesus in the midst of persecution, in the midst of the trials of the world that would seek to lead you to turn away from Jesus and to play in the games of the world, which is survival of the fittest, or the one with the most toys wins at the end, or um, might makes right. All of these are shown by Jesus to be undone in a lie of the devil, and that God's will on earth as it is in heaven is to love your neighbor as yourself. Thank you for loving your neighbor these last 10 days. Everything we've been building to has been building to this so that we could be witnesses to Jesus just as the apostles were in our scripture today. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And you have been the witnesses of Jesus and will continue to be his witnesses in Fargo-Moorhead in North Dakota and Minnesota, and to the end of the earth. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And neither are we. We will continue as God's people in this place, in this area, in this world, pointing to Jesus until he comes again. Yeah? Amen? We may not be worthy, but he is worthy. And because Jesus Christ died for you and he is risen, I announce to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. And because of your faith in Jesus, you are accounted as worthy. Amen.